Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is May 18th, 2023. It is Thursday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Glam Craft. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is It was strange, really. A couple of months ago, I had thought I couldn't live without him. Apparently, I could. Gabrielle Zevin. So, what are we drinking today? We are drinking Dark Fae, which is a mate blend. Uh, We've been talking about cardamom this week. We talked about the health benefits. We talked about the history. And today, we are talking about the culinary uses, which I'm so psyched about. I'm going to take a real quick sip. Mm. Okay, so let's get into cardamom. One of the best things in the world, I think. And this comes to us from spruceeats.com. So we've already talked a little bit about what cardamom is. There are two main varieties of cardamom, black and green. There's also a white, which is a bleached version of the green. So green cardamom is kind of found most often in Nordic and Middle Eastern cuisine, while recipes in India and Asia will often specify whether green or black is used. So recipes using black cardamom often call for it being a whole pod with the seeds intact. The pods are then discarded after cooking is done by chomping into the whole pod. Oh, because chomping into the whole pod is unpleasant. It is. I've done it numerous times. Um, So cardamom has a strong, sweet, pungent flavor and aroma with hints of lemon and mint. Black cardamom has a smoky note and a cooling menthol as well. So you can use powdered cardamom added directly to recipes that call for ground cardamom, but you will get more flavor by starting with the pods. You can toast green cardamom in a dry skillet for a few minutes, let them cool, remove the seeds, um, which you can save for like other uses, and then grind, uh, and then grind, uh, you know, till you get a powder. So there's a lot of recipes with cardamom. Um, especially like Indian dishes. So there's Indian roast leg of lamb, Swedish sweet roasted bread, cardamom ice cream, and these are just to like name a few. Now, we all have that situation where we're making a recipe and we're like, oh, I can just switch this out, right? Like, I can just switch out oregano and parsley, right? Like, (laughs) you know, or do we really need celery in anything? A question I ask constantly. But unfortunately, it will be hard to find a true substitute for the unique flavor of cardamom. But in a pinch, you can blend other warm spices to help replace it. So think cinnamon, um, nutmeg, ginger, and I'm guessing cloves as well. So yeah, you can pretty much buy cardamom anywhere. It is in the grocery store in the spice section. 
and it's wonderful to have on hand. Sometimes I like to throw one in my like throw one in my hot chocolate. Ooh, I love it. I swear I'm gonna make my own hot chocolate recipe at some point, and it will have cardamom. Spoiler alert. Um. All right, moving into some headlines. If you've been thinking, wow, you know what I haven't had in a while? Another Blair Witch movie. Apparently, you're not the only one. <laughs> so apparently, there's a new Blair Witch project coming out, and they're uh, searching for a director. So I'm going to be honest. I love the original Blair Witch. I just think it's a good movie. I like the techniques used. Um, There's so many theories that make it even spookier. And I just have, it's just a good old time. And I'll never forget the first time I watched it. It was one of those movies that like, it was like kind of my first real like experience with a movie like that. And I'll just never forget it. And then the second one was like the longest two hours of, of my whole life. Um, and then they've just kind of been pumping them out. And I will say the last one I don't think was particularly good, but let's see. Who knows? Sometimes, sometimes they put out a really crappy movie, <laughs> Scream 3, and then they'll put out a great one after, uh, Scream 4. So maybe it's good. You know what? Who am I to poo-poo? I have no idea. So they say more than two decades since the theatrical release of the original, Yahoo Entertainment, top-notch reporting. Lionsgate will return to the supernatural horror franchise with a new Blair Witch Project movie. According to Production Weekly, independent filmmaker Oliver Park has been tapped to the helm the untitled Blair Witch sequel. Filming expected to begin late summer or fall of this year. Park is no stranger to the horror genre as the director of films such as Still a Night of Horror, Nightmare Radio, The Offering, Strange Events. However, the untitled found footage movie marks his first project with a major studio. So who's involved? Who do we have? Um, Let's see. Who do we have in this new one? No one, apparently. We'll see what happens. You know what? I'm down. Listen. You never know. You never know. All right, witches. I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Thursday, May 18th. The waning crescent moon takes its time in Taurus today. Here, the moon conjuncts Mercury and Uranus. Mercury has finally turned direct, and it is quite a relief to have everything flowing in the same direction. As the moon moves from its conjunction to Mercury to its conjunction to Uranus today, watch for a flash of insight. Our thinking has finally cleared up, and Uranus has a way of using an out-of-the-box approach to things that are plaguing us. With these three planets in Taurus, we may find ourselves focusing on our material needs. Uranus and Mercury will give us a new way of thinking about utilizing the things we have in order to promote further growth. Your daily moon mantra is, creativity requires the courage to let go of certainties. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Get ready to be spellbound by the Glam Witch. 
Originally considered to be the essence of a witch's spell, glamour is an ultimate act of magic. Used to master and manipulate one's appearance, true glamour magic is about honoring and expressing yourself to ultimately get what you want in the world. Intersecting visual aesthetic with the esoteric, Michael Herkes, the glam witch, takes you into their world of glamour with a personal pictorial on the magical art of beauty, fashion, and glamour magic. Whether your goal is to get attention, a new job, a date, or even go unnoticed, here you will be guided on how to craft a magical message with your presence by cultivating confidence with magical application, integrating magic into your beauty regimes with cosmetic, hair care, and fashion, bewitching with body language, eye contact, and seduction through the senses, manifesting a magical persona that caters to your most unique qualities, and utilizing crystals, dolls, fragrances, tarot cards, and more to maximize your glamour efforts. Only 200 of these limited editions will be sold, so grab yours now at theglamwitch.com. All right, we are back. So we have a question from listener Lilith. Lilith says, I have a question for our lovely Tanya. Thank you, but no extra work. You know what? I love work. Who am I? Who am I kidding? Have you met me? I love just to dive into projects that no one asked for. Um, (laughs) So just seeing if you have something. Mirrors. I have mirrors all over my room. I love glass. That's all a mirror actually is with some paint. And I like looking at the back to see what my hair looks like. All this mirrors are portal stuff. I think come off as an offshoot of covering mirrors during uh, in-home funerals so the grieving wouldn't have to concern themselves with, with how crappy they looked in mixed company. Until the internet started making movies into a rule, I have never heard of this portal stuff. Do you have any history on this? If not, have I piqued your curiosity? Yes, I have found some information on this. And also, we did an article in Which Way about um, mirror portals as well. So let's see what we can dig into. So this is a a peer-reviewed article from the University of Central Florida. Mirrors as portals, images of mirrors on ancient Maya uh, ceramics. So this is a part of the anthropology columns and was, yeah, University of Central Florida, UCF. So let me find their conclusions and we will talk, we will talk about it. All right. So they say. The Mayas believed that there were multiple worlds in addition to the human world. Portals connected to these worlds are allowed uh, active engagement between the Mayans and their gods. Without portals and the ability to communicate between the worlds, the Maya belief system could not function. Evidence suggests the Maya believed reflective surfaces, mirrors, water surfaces, were portals to spiritual worlds. In this thesis, I examine the portrayal of mirrors as portals in Maya art, focusing on mirrors in scenes painted on ceramics. Uh, c- combining archaeology, icon- uh, oh, I hate this word, 
iconography and linguistic data, I argue that mirrors functioned in service to ritual as an essential gateway between humans and the gods and were two-way portals between earthly and spiritual worlds. I specifically examined 51 scenes on painted ceramic vessels involving mirrors to interpret and document their function as portals between worlds, how they used in um, how they were used in courtly life, and what they may have meant to the people who use them. This research contributes to a deeper understanding of the relationship between the Maya, their gods, and the particular aspect of material culture, mirrors, and how the elite used mirrors and their relationship with the gods as a source of power. I conclude that the gods are not omnipresent and that mirrors are portals, um, are always active and strategically placed for the gods to have the best view of the world of the humans. So there we go. So we know the Mayans used it. Let's see what else I can find. All right. We have another peer-reviewed study. This was featured in... This was actually written in 1989, March. I wasn't even born. Mm, one more month. And <laughs> this was in the Journal of Religion and Science. Was there a university attached? No, but, you know, some good old peoples. Um, so this is about mirrors and portals. So a biogenetic structural explanation is offered for the cross-culturally common mystical experience called portaling, which is the experience of moving from one reality to another via a tunnel, door, aperture, hole, or the like. The experience may be evoked in shamanism and meditative practice by concentration upon a portaling device, such as a mirror, mandala, labyrinth, scrying bowl, a pool of water, etc., Realization of the portaling experience is shown to be a fundamental to the uh, under um, to the understanding of the underlying multiple reality co uh, cosmologies and traditional cultures, and is explained in terms of radical um, neurosystems mediating experience in the brain. So this was people um, who were talking about like trying to figure out the brain processes of it, and. Uh, they did experiments with mirror portaling devices from both the Tibetan and uh, religion traditions. So we so we have shamanism, we have Tibetan, we have Mayans, and I actually have um, the encyclopedias. I have both volumes of the encyclopedias of um, of uh, parapsychology and uh, paranormal research. So I'm actually going to dig those out and see if they have anything to say about mirrors and portals. All right, so I am back, and I checked my um, books, The and I got the name wrong. It's the Encyclopedias of Occultism and uh, Parapsychology. So they had nothing on psychomantium, which psychomantium is what the mirror portal thing is, right? Um, but I do remember we wrote an article about it in Witchway. So I went to all of my little Witchway magazines. By the way, uh, Divination, this is, this was found in Divigation, uh, Divination Guide Volume 4. Uh, Divination Guide Volume 7 should be out now. So go check that out. These are limited print. Uh, what exists is all that will exist. So if you're interested, go check them out. But um, there was nothing on psychomantium in the encyclopedias, but they are outdated. I think they, like, they don't go very far, and I don't think there have been new versions, but I should check that. Um, however, 
because now that I knew the name, thanks to which way, I knew the name of Psychomantium, I was able to uh, check studies. So this is something that has been being actively studied. And we have a article in December of 1992, peer-reviewed uh, by PhD Raymond Moody, um, who was studying Psychomantium. So uh, what journal is this? Journal of Near-Death Studies. Uh, he writes, a poignant feature of many near-death experiences is a, is a visionary encounter with deceased loved ones. Over the centuries, researchers have sought safe ways to replicate near-death uh, and related experiences, hoping to induce powerful after-effects of these events. The ancient Greeks conducted psychomantiums, or oracles of the dead, where seekers could consult with spirits of the deceased. I describe a modern attempt to recreate psychomantium, like near-death experiences, visionary encounters in this modern psychomantium are experienced as real and not hallucinatory, and have profound personal um, after effects. And people are still studying this. I found another one in 2004, saying, again, the Journal of Near-Death uh, Studies, and they said they had 57 partic uh, participants in 31 workshops seeking visionary and re uh, reunion experiences with departed loved ones. So um, I'm going to read to you the Which Way article, and it's going to help you decide if that's something you're into, if that's something you want to do. So this was written by Zahara. The first time I ever heard of the Psychomantium was when I was driving home from work and listening to Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour podcast with special guest Jean St. Germain. Oh, that's funny. A spiritual reader and root worker. Uh, St. Germain, hilarious. <laughs> Brief, that's the whole thing. Um, briefly discussed something I had never heard of, the Psychomantium. As a practitioner who works mainly with the dead, I was shocked that I had never heard of a psychomantium before. So what's interesting is, like we saw in the studies, this was a Greek thing. Um, but genuinely what I think happened, just based off me looking at my books, I think just um, maybe psychomantium kind of got um, merged with like good old necromancy practices, which they call something else. I think they call it psychometry, um, I think. Before I, uh, let's see. Okay. So before I tell you what psychomantrium is, let me tell you about the man who reinvented it and brought it to modern times. Oh, here we go. Dr. Moody. We talked about him. Most of us who work closely with the dead are very much aware of the writings and workings of Dr. Raymond Moody, a psychologist, philosopher, and the man who coined the term near-death experience in 1975. In the late 70s, Dr. Moody began documenting cases of near-death experiences and eventually wrote a book called Life After Life, inspired by ancient Greek chambers in which ancient Grecians would communicate with spirits. Dr. Moody built a psychomantrium in Alabama, which he named the John D. Memorial Theater of the Mind. Oh, I love that. Great name. See what you're missing out when you don't read which way? Mm-mm. <laughs> so, psychomantriums are rooms built specifically for spirit communication, to recall past lives, and to ask the dead for their help in personal causes. Psychomantriums first appeared in ancient Greek 2,500 years ago at the Oracle of the Dead better known as the Necromantian. Those who wanted to communicate with a lost loved one would enter the chamber following rituals that would protect them. After passing through three gates representing entry to the underworld, they would then be able to communicate with the spirits. 
Modern psychomantium, such as the one Dr. Moody created, are rooms, usually the size of a closet, in which there is a very large floor-length mirror and a comfortable chair. There is no light, although some people like a lighted candle to be placed near the mirror to help induce trance-like states. Relaxation is key when working with after-death communications, as it is essentially mirror-gazing. While in a hypnogogic state, one would stare in the mirror until spirits appear. And they will appear, sometimes just as clouds, other times as full apparitions, and you may also hear them speak. They may even touch you. Once you become an expert in psychomantrium, you can ask apparitions questions. It all depends on how relaxed your state of mind is. As a modern-day necromancer, I have used several methods in spirit communication, and I find creating a psychomantrium one of the best techniques, simply because you are in a room specifically made for the purpose of spirit communication. There is no doubt of what will happen when you enter the room, regardless of whether you are good at scrying. Most people who enter have experiences. That is not to say all experiences are pleasant, however. With any means of spirit communication, the key is knowing your boundaries. If something doesn't feel right, something is wrong. That is when communication needs to stop and you can give it a try another day. Remember, the difference between psychomentrium and simply scrying is that psychomentrium is a room made solely for the purpose of spirit communication, and the mirror used is large, making communication easier. So one thing to remember if you do decide to make a psychomentrium in your home, it is a space for the spirits and should be treated as such. Before you enter, knock on the door, let them know you are coming and about to begin a session. After the session, I always emphasize using um, Florida water, herb, sage, and copal to cleanse before and after using the psychomentrium. Uh, so yeah, can I just tell you, Lilith, that was a blast and a half for me. I had a grand old time. Thank you so much for uh, putting me up to that. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I appreciate you greatly. Anytime I can pull out my encyclopedias and um, do a little journal research, I am just living my best life. So I appreciate it. And also sometimes I worry that like I'm a little too silly on this show and I'm just like, I hope they know that I'm also smart. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> all right, witches. It's also a good reminder to see if I have any updated updates on um, my books. When, when, were, when did these come out? Oh, some, oh, when did these come out? Fourth editions. Let's see. This had been in many libraries. I don't even know how I got a hold of it, if we're being super honest. Um, <laughs> publication. Oh, come on. I guess we'll never know. We will never know when this came out because they don't want us to know. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to look. I think this is, well, we, uh, I think this is from like the 90s or like 2004 or something. But I need to look and get an updated uh, volumes if they so exist. Um, But yeah, I am so grateful because that was a great time for me. So I appreciate it. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of The Witch Daily Show. Oh, I'll actually put a link to that issue of Witch Way in the links. So if you want to grab that copy and have that information in case, like, who knows, maybe 
um, a psychometrium is something in your personal future. I'll put that in the link. Um, all right. So we are wrapping up this episode. I want to give some shout outs. First, I want to give a shout out to listener um, Catherine La- uh, Laughlin. Catherine, you formidable, noble pixie. Callisto Lowry, you poetic, scrumptious spider queen. Megan Wong, you graceful, starry-eyed windigo. And finally, Kim Bowes, you sparkling, sparkling seer. Thank you so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And like I said, we do have a new divination uh, coming out. I haven't even sent the newsletter out by the time I've recorded this. So it's new, new, new. And before we leave, we do have a card pull today from the Buffy Tarot. And it is the Queen of Pentacles. Maternal, self-reliant, and practical Nikki Wood is the ultimate queen of pentacles. She embodies the woman who can do it all, and when this card turns up in your readings, it's with some motherly advice. Take care of yourself. Make sure you have the means to live independently, stand on your own two feet, and invest in yourself. It doesn't mean you can't ask for help, but it does mean you have to put yourself first. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we reference today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And uh, that's it. We will talk again tomorrow. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>